Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Key Reese. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And today we are throwing it all the way back to the early 2000s because Miss Sienna Miller has given a very rare interview about her career and also her personal life, including the very high-profile cheating scandal that she was involved in and the effect that this still has on her career today. We're going to get all into that because there is way more to the story that we absolutely 100% must discuss. But before we do so, we have a couple of entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. So kicking things off today, we have a little clarification on a very important breaking news story that we covered yesterday, and that is the fact that it was reported that Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker had run off after the Grammys and gotten married in a Las Vegas ceremony. But a post on Kourtney's Instagram today tells a very different tale to what was first making headlines yesterday. So Kourtney posted a series of images to her Instagram account from inside the Las Vegas chapel, so there's a flower arch. There's an Elvis impersonator marrying them. She and Travis are wearing matching leather jackets and kissing. It looks like a formal wedding, but it was not. Side note, the funniest thing, I put a screenshot in our document so that I can describe that to you. And the top like on the post is by Key Reese. Forever. <laughs> can you see that? Yeah, I can. I was like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Courtney Kardashian wrote, found these in my camera roll. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, Las Vegas, at two 2am after an epic night and a little tequila, a queen and her handsome king ventured out to the only open chapel. That sounds like a dig at the chapel owner who, as we said yesterday, gave multiple interviews about this and made them pay up front before they arrived because they didn't believe they were real celebrities. Anyway, she says the only open chapel with an Elvis and got married with no license. Practice makes perfect. So I just want to clarify that, yes, we did go deep on the wedding yesterday, Key, but we also said that we didn't believe it was a legal wedding because no marriage certificate or license had been found. And we knew that if such a thing existed... TMZ in particular would have dug that up and plastered it all over the internet. Uh, yeah, and it would be over Chris Jenner's dead body. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no one's going to cross Chris Jenner. So there you go. It was just a flighty little celebrity fake wedding. Obviously, the real one's going to be much bigger. But you know what? It gave us a day of enjoyment. And for that, I am very grateful. Also making headlines today, hot off the heels of a stellar award season where King Richard, the film about her and Sister Venus's childhood, received critical acclaim, tennis great Serena Williams has penned an article for Elle magazine titled How Serena Saved Her Own Life. 
So the cell of the article reads, black women are nearly three times more likely to die after childbirth than white women. Serena Williams was almost one of them. Here, in her own words, she tells her story. So when she gave birth to her now four-year-old daughter, Olympia, who she shares with her husband, Twitter founder, Alexis Ohanian, she was really candid about the fact that she almost lost her life. And in this piece, she opens up on never before her details of how hard she fought for the tests that ultimately saved her. So she talks about how when she got to the birth that it would end up being a true test of her determination for, quote, how loud and how often I would have to call out before I was finally heard. After a pretty long labor, she was advised that she needed to have a C-section and she writes that being an athlete is so often about controlling your body, wielding its power, but it's also about knowing when to surrender. And after a close call back in 2010 with some blood clots that were discovered in her lungs that could have killed her, she was really aware of the fact that she was at high risk for blood clots. And after inquiring with the nurse about a heparin drip, which is a blood thinner, her request was dismissed because they said it could lead to her C-section wound bleeding. After coughing and finding it super hard to breathe, her wound opened and she had to go on for surgery. And when she came to from the surgery, she was finding it increasingly hard to breathe and writes that she was convinced that she was dying. So she again asked for the nurse saying, quote, I need to have a CAT scan of my lungs bilaterally and then I need to be on my heparin drip. And after being told that the drugs were making her, quote, crazy, she again insisted on getting the scan immediately. She was told that she just needed to rest, but she persisted. And finally, her doctor was called and agreed to do the test, which found that she did, in fact, have a blood clot in her lungs and that they needed to get her into surgery immediately to insert a filter into her brains and break up the clot before it reached her heart. She writes, in the US, black women are nearly three times more likely to die during or after childbirth than their white counterparts. Many of these deaths are considered by experts to be preventable. Being heard and appropriately treated was the difference between life or death for me. I know those statistics would be different if the medical establishment listened to every black woman's experience. So I encourage you all to go and read this. It's super interesting and it's also something that I know is happening here in Australia, but I just thought it was really powerful that you know, four years later after she first opened up about her experience, we're fully understanding kind of the seriousness of what actually played out for one of the richest and most powerful women in the world. If you're a lady of a certain age, which is most millennials, including you and me, Key, then the name Sienna Miller makes you think of these glorious boho outfits and also the best fringe on a human being I've ever seen. <laughs> My inspiration, I have never reached those heights, but maybe one day. But at the same time, her name also makes you think of a lot of big scandals, a lot of cheating stories, and of course, of Jude Law. And this is exactly what Sienna Miller has addressed, kind of, in her new cover story with LUK, entitled Sienna Miller Belongs to Nobody Else. So the article kicks off by saying, as Sienna Miller stars in Netflix's new drama, Anatomy of a Scandal, Terry White, that's the name of the journalist, not a chemist franchise, just in case anyone was wondering, discovers how she survived the toxic 2000s, took control and found freedom at 40. So at the beginning of the profile, the writer talks about looking at her and saying how she's really still kept with the same fashion aesthetic that she became famous for, which is amazing. I think when you've got a true individual style, you have to stick with it and that it makes you think like you're back in 2003 again. And he also talks about Sienna Miller being an actress who was very much ahead of her time with the film roles that she chose back then. So Layer Cake and Alfie that we'll get into, which released in 2004, but also talks about how there was a certain point in time where 
every magazine and newspaper headline and cover was all about a particular group of celebrities and she was at the forefront of that and how falling in love with Jude Law and the aftermath of their relationship made her this fixture in pop culture but not in a good way. And one of the reasons that she's kind of alluding to the cheating scandal in this article is that she's obviously talking up her new Netflix show and in it she plays a woman who finds out that her husband has been accused of rape by a colleague and that he'd been having affairs. And obviously that is something that she's become unfortunately very much known for, being the woman who was cheated on. And so when talking about deciding to take on a role that mirrored her own life in some ways, Sienna says in this article, it was familiar to terrain because I've experienced some of the things that she has experienced. All the feelings were familiar. It was weirdly interesting to kind of step back into that ugly space. So Key, that kind of got us talking this morning about how this cloud of cheating and Jude Law really hangs over her. But like so many stories at that time, we only saw them through a very tabloid focused lens. But now that media and our own thinking has evolved, I feel like Sienna Miller is very much one of those women who we've realized was dealt an incredibly tough blow by the public and the tabloid media. And at such a young age, like I was going through this timeline of their relationship and she was in her early 20s at the time. So in 2003, they met on the set of Alfie. And at the time, Jude Law was going through quite a high profile divorce from Sadie Frost, who was a little bit older than him, a member of that Primrose Hill set, so the bestie of Kate Moss. And they had gotten married in 1997 and had three kids who were aged between two and eight at that time. But now they're all in their 20s and famous models, et cetera, et cetera. And so after After they met on the set of Alfie, about 12 months later, they announced their engagement with Jude proposing on Christmas Day in 2004. He was 30 and she was 23 at the time. But by May of 2005... News broke of his affair with his children's nanny, Daisy Wright. So he and Sadie had hired her in 2004, the same year that he proposed to Sienna. So practically the whole time that they were dating, he was also sticking his business into the nanny. I'm sorry, that was quite graphic. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, that is what is happening. Facts are facts. So, I mean, he and Sadie were the ultimate cool couple of London. Like, And so when Jude Law starred in Alfie, which I don't think did particularly well, I still like it, but maybe I'm just looking at it through the naive eyes of I was like 16 when it came out, was very much meant to be a big kind of Oscar bait movie for him. And Sienna Miller in the movie, I believe that he does have an affair with her and she's this kind of beautiful, she's almost like a manic pixie dream girl that he meets and is kind of like just this side character. But there was such kind of talk around them being on screen together. And when it came out that they had fallen in love, that he had left Sadie and they were having this torrid romance together, that's what really elevated that movie and kind of put it on the map. And all of a sudden there was all this interest in their relationship. And that's when Sienna was kind of becoming such a style icon. Like I'm not sure the last time, besides Kate Moss herself, the last time, an actress model kind of came out like that and just had such a specific style that everyone started copying. All of a sudden, like fashion outlets were trying to recreate all her clothes so everyone could wear them. Like we were all buying the like the headbands and the boots and stuff to look like her. And she was like the ultimate it girl at that time. Oh, yeah, she was very much the aesthetic. Every girl wanted to be like her. Every man or woman wanted to date her. I wanted her fringe. We all wanted to. You wanted things. her fringe. But, like, <laughs> she happened to be going through this crazy thing at that time. And also we have to remember this was the absolute height of toxic UK tabloid culture, which I would argue 
I wouldn't even argue. It's a fact. It was way worse than the US had ever been. And we've talked a lot about young actresses from that time, US-based actresses, but I don't know if we've really delved into kind of the intricacies of the UK celebs at that time. And what was really sad about this is she was kind of on the precipice of really her career launching, but it got very much overshadowed by the fact that she was dating Jude Law and they were both beautiful. And this is the time that beauty was just... It's all we cared about. It's all we cared about. <laughs> we and still they only were, care about it, but we don't say it out loud anymore. No, we just pretend and we champion other things at the same time. But they were the epitome of cool, hot, young, talented people. And that's why when the news broke of him sleeping with the nanny everyone lost their shit because immediately the day after that the news broke, he issued a public apology admitting to it. Yeah, which was huge. Which was huge because usually you'd sweep it under the rug, right? So he said he was deeply ashamed and upset. He apologised to Sienna and the people close to them that he had hurt and that he asked for obviously respect their privacy at this time. Crazily, they actually tried to push through, so they continued to date Mm. after this broke, but they eventually called off their engagement a year or so later in 2006, and then they did later reconcile in 2009 before splitting for good in 2011. So they had been on and off for a couple of years, but Sienna said of that time in 2020, she said it was the most challenging moments that she'd ever had to experience because of the level of public heartbreak. And at the time she was doing a big play in London and she said, I had to stand up in front of 800 people every night and it's the absolute last thing you wanted to do. And she said, and this was, I remember at the time when this went live, it got picked up everywhere. She said that for six weeks after, she just doesn't even remember. Like she said that her friends would say that they went out for dinner and she completely just has no recollection at that time because she was so traumatised. Oh, I would believe that because even before the cheating scandal broke, like there was that initial burst of people being very obsessed with her because of her clothes and because of the Jude Law connection because they did so many red carpets together and they were talking about how in love they were. Like a lot of magazine covers and articles began to paint her as like this trashy other woman who had stolen Jude Law away from the wonderful Sadie Frost. So that kind of happened, but it started to simmer down. But when the cheating scandal came out, like it was very much almost like people were angry at Jude Law for cheating with the nanny and also like just rolling their eyes at what a cliche that was. But there was also this idea of like that she had got her comeuppance for what she had done and that she was too much of like a wild showbiz fashion kid to be with such a serious actor. So it's almost like they both assigned blame, but even more so than blame, there was this kind of like huge tabloid fever around Sienna Miller to get her reaction to the affair. So like days after the apology went out, there's those infamous paparazzi photos of her like like the swarms of paparazzi around her would be like 20 men deep all with cameras screaming at her there's all these photos of her just trying to get down the street get into a car hide in a restaurant from these paparazzi she looks like she's crying in most of the photos even when she and Jude Law go back together there's those infamous photos where she's just like looking down and crying and he's holding her and he's smiling for the paparazzi it's such a weird thing so yeah I know right so weird like he knew enough and he was enough of like a a movie star still at the time to know to really put on a show. I mean, for all we know, he set those photos up, but she just couldn't kind of commit to that that kind of play that he wanted to put on, that she had forgiven him. And so she was kind of dubbed like sad, pouty Sienna Miller. She can't get over it. And then the fever of paparazzi around her got so much. And there's that infamous quote from her as well where she has said, like, I can't understand how, like, growing men, like, were allowed to chase me through the streets late at night, chase me through parks, 
attempt to get into my apartment, chase my car. And the only reason it's legal is because they were holding cameras. She's like, if they weren't holding cameras and you went to the police and said, five men are chasing me down a dark alley, they won't leave me alone, they're harassing me, then the police would do something. But as soon as the police would see they were holding cameras, they'd say, well, it's illegal for them to do that. So she was very much a pioneer in pointing out how toxic that particular type of paparazzi culture was. Yeah, I didn't realise how litigious she'd become in kind of pushing back on all of the news outlets who had kind of, you know, unfairly published things about her or even hacked. Like, do you remember the hacking scandal that she was involved in? Yes, yes. The big news of the world thing. So this is the other thing. Like, I feel like she really suffered in the court of public opinion because although Jude Law had very publicly cheated on her – there was this other kind of underlying story that was bubbling along, which was the love triangle voicemail. So this surfaced as part of the News of the World hacking scandal, and it was Jude Law and Sienna Miller with 007, blue eyes, Daniel Craig. So Jude (laughs) and Daniel were friends, but then Daniel Craig starred in Layer Cake with Sienna, which was also released in 2004, as you mentioned before. And somewhere along the way, we don't really understand the timeline. It's very murky, but they got closer than they did on screen. So allegedly she was like kind of having this affair. They both have denied it. But what was really interesting about this is that one of the journalists from News of the World hacked into Daniel Craig's voicemail and heard a female voice saying, hi, it's me, cannot speak. I'm at the Groucho, which is a club, with Jude. And then at the end of the message, she says, I love you. So the journalist checked the number and figured out that it was Sienna Miller. So he went to Daniel Craig with the story being like, hey, I've got this. Someone's given it to me. He did this big elaborate thing, which he ended up having to admit and got very heavily punished for what he did because it was Mm. very illegal. But Craig denied the story and it got held, but eventually it ran in October of 2005, get this, after oh. it was approved by Jude Law's spokesperson. And the oh day. Oh my God. I know. I did not know that bit. The day after the story came out, Jude Law confirmed that Sienna Miller had cheated on him with Daniel Craig. It was almost like he was getting back at her. And how the hell did she take him back after that? Like, it's just so messy. And I feel like he was really manipulative in that situation. And I feel like even though they both did something bad, the discrepancy in the outcomes for their careers is wild because Jude Law's had such a resurgence. And I feel like this article really touches on the fact that despite all of her talent and the string of really good roles that she's had, she still is quite often quoted as a fashionista before an actress when people are writing about her. And I I just think that that is really irritating. (laughs) Yeah, because there's a few projects of hers that have come out, like American Woman and a few other movies where people are like the critics who have initially watched them have thought like, oh, this is going to be an awards circuit TV show or movie for her. Like her name's going to be up there on those ballots and it just never has been. And it's hard to say if that's maybe a bit of a kissed and done situation where they just never took her seriously as like a young blonde actress. I mean, I feel sorry for her, obviously, but at the same time, she is a beautiful, white, thin, blonde movie star. But I think you can still talk about these things that have happened to her because the way she was talked about in tabloid media, that's not just the way that Sienna Miller is discussed. That's the way any woman in that situation would be discussed, whether they were famous or not as the harlot and then as the stupid woman who took him back. And with the layer cake thing with Daniel Craig, that's the movie you said, right? I think that's the movie. Or there were movies around that time where there were also these really vicious tabloid rumours that she had wanted to have real sex 
on screen and that she allowed herself to have sex with her male co-stars and film it. And I think at one stage that did, yeah. And I mean, obviously there's so many rules around that sort of stuff and that's not what happens. And it would be like a big violation for the actress if they pushed that on her. And I think at one stage she just got so fed up with people saying she's only in movies because she actually has sex on screen. But that has kind of stayed with her for years, that that's the only reason she got those jobs and that she would really sleep with Daniel Craig and stuff. So like, I'd never heard that before. That's ridiculous. I know. It's so murky and awful. So now that I'm reading this LUK cover that came out today and it's got this big, long profile piece and there's not that much in there about Jude Law, which is fair enough because I feel like she has talked about him enough, even though we've gone very and deep it on it today. And it's still always attached to her. Like the whole setup for the article, like the first paragraph was about him, which was annoying, but it has to be. And I guess, too, because she is playing a woman who is in an affair and something terrible happens to her because of the man she's married to. So I understand that a journalist would want to draw. it's her redemption role, really, like as she's turned 40 and she's taking back her narrative because what's the title of it? It's like Sienna Miller doesn't belong to anyone. Ever since she got into the public eye, her name has never belonged to herself. It's always belonged to Jude Law or the tabloid paparazzi or Anna Wintour when she was mentioned in the September issue for Vogue. It's just wild because she's managed to really kind of hold it together and still be successful when a lot of people who have gone through the same thing haven't been as lucky, which just kind of proves her determination. And I think a lot of that stems out of the fact that she really pushed back and took, you know, Murdoch to trial to reclaim her narrative in that way. Like she has been really steadfast and rewriting, not not rewriting history, reclaiming her history, I guess on how it's been reported on. She's an incredibly strong woman. And I think all the headlines going around today that are off the back of this interview are like the humiliation of Sienna Miller or like the real story behind Sienna Miller's humiliation and stuff, which I think is definitely the wrong tack to take. But I think humiliation was definitely linked to her name for a long time. But I think now that she's got this big new show out and she's doing more press, she'll be able to tell her story. So we will link that LUK cover story in our show notes. We highly recommend you read it. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. Oh, it's always my favourite time going back to those early 2000s. I could talk about it underwater. Do you have a time that you want us to talk about? Perhaps a celeb story. Why don't you let us know? And maybe we'll talk about it on The Spill. You can do that by emailing us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. This episode of The Spill was produced by oh, Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We will see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.